Welcome to Life Meet. I'm your host, Chris Gast, Rights Life of Michigan's Director of Communication and Education. Joining us today is our Education and Events Coordinator, Emily Kroll. Emily. I see. We're, hi. We're emphasizing the education today. This is an educational podcast. Well, there we go. <laughs> That's all we do here is educate. Mostly, yes. Nothing frivolous goes on here at all. Never. Um, so I wanted to talk about a couple topics today. We're going to talk about our dear friends at NARAL. Uh, we're going to talk about a win involving vaccines informed consent and our governor, surprisingly. Um, but first, on a related topic to that win, let's talk about the 14-day rule. So, Emily, um, in the field of research involving fetal tissue, uh, and human embryos, you know, it was sort of the wild, wild west when abortion was first legalized. And if you want, you can go back and look in news and old studies and read some pretty horrific stuff involving live experimentation on children who were basically aborted for an experiment, except the abortion didn't take their life. And that was the researchers' jobs to do that in grisly ways. Everything from decapitating babies, uh, submerging them in oxygenated liquid to see how long uh, they could continue breathing or gasping for air. You know, I could uh, make you turn this off really quick when describing them. Well, uh, people were really horrified by that, and so that really stopped. And uh, places passed laws, elected officials got upset, you know... Which is kind of ironic to me. I mean, if you're if you're going to be for tearing apart a child, you know, at 24 weeks by ripping their arms and legs off, I don't really see what your moral objection would be then to, uh, you know, doing the same thing to a child for another reason. In a different location. Yeah. So uh, it all sounds like torture to me. But uh, a lot of people, they just have that ick factor because it's, you know, we're experimenting with them. It's no longer just, in their mind, the child is worthless and the woman doesn't want the child and we're going to pretend the child doesn't exist. It's harder to pretend when you're, you know, measuring the child's, uh, how their organs, fully developed organs are responding in certain experimental uh, parameters. Uh, you can't really pretend that child is no longer there when you're doing frank things outside the womb. Because I think, Emily, that's why abortion is legal. We can't see the child. But when you can experiment on the child live, then it becomes horrible because we, now we can see the child. Nothing moral has changed. Nothing factual, just the, you know, whether we can see it or not. Anyway, we say all that to mention that we may be going back to those days because uh, when human embryonic stem cell research became a big issue, uh, you had all of these embryos that were being created as a result of IVF experiments or treatments that aren't used. Uh, researchers wanted to use those embryos because uh, they love experimenting on live subjects when they can and... There's a lot of rules that govern when they can and can't do that. 
but unborn children can't really object or protest or sign an informed consent uh, form. So they want to use those embryos. And, but people still get freaked out by it. Uh, and they wanted to avoid the appearance of, it's called fetal farming, basically where you're growing human beings specifically to use as science experiments. So they created a 14-day rule. Now this rule is a law in some countries. Uh, in some countries it's a guideline. You know, I think it's interesting that Germany forbids it altogether because, you know, they have a checkered past with human experimentation. Could say that checkered, yeah. Perhaps the rest of the world ought to, you know, learn from rather than going down the same road. But this 14-day rule has been around for, I don't know, about two decades or so. Um, embryonic stem cell research really busted on the scene in the late 90s and early 2000s. And of course, there are promises of all these cures. You know, Christopher Reeves was going to, Superman was going to get up out of his wheelchair and walk again. People like him, Jonathan Edwards, uh, John Edwards, candidate for president, disgraced candidate for uh, Democratic president and John Kerry's vice presidential uh, pick said Michael J. Fox, celebrity, uh, suffers from, oh, was it Parkinson's or multiple sclerosis? I can't remember. I think it's Parkinson's. Um, was a figure for this. Christopher Reeves, obviously, with a spinal cord injury. All these promises, all these efforts, all this talk of safeguards has amounted to absolutely nothing. And really this 14-day rule wasn't so much about a moral line in the sand that we don't want to be experimenting on children at a later stage. Really, it's simply because they couldn't sustain a child much longer than 14 days outside of the womb. Well, Emily, that's changed. Uh, just a couple weeks ago, there was an announcement that an experiment with mice, uh, they were able to gestate a mice halfway through pregnancy outside of the womb. So some people may have heard about the issue of artificial wombs. Didn't we just mention this on the podcast? Did we? I don't know. I don't know either. That's the problem with talking in the podcast. You don't always listen to your podcast after the fact. Because you were there and you already listened. Um, but artificial wombs have been a topic of discussion in terms of, you know, the pro-life movement. Would this be a rationale to ban abortion because the woman is no longer burdened by the pregnancy? Of course, the pro-abortion side already has a ready-made argument for that, that there's a pre-existing right, uh, apparently, that has always existed, that women shouldn't have to have a genetic descendant related to them. So... Even if you can take away all the burdens of pregnancy and bodily autonomy and all that, they still have a justification for abortion because, of course, abortion is about a dead child. And we don't want the child. It's not really about bodily autonomy and all these other highfalutin arguments they come up with to justify what they want to do. And that's what I kind of want to focus on here just a little bit more is these lines in the sand, these moral justifications... You know, the, the International Society for Stem Cell Research wants to get rid of the 14-day rule. They are waiting for President Trump to be gone. Uh, they think they can expand it because they think people are going to support it. And that's ultimately what this is all about. 
they don't have a, a line in the sand. They want to be able to experiment on children at 40 days, not just 14 days. Why not 40 weeks? What, what moral line will they draw in the sand? They don't have one in terms of at what point can we stop experimenting on, child, on children. What their real moral viewpoint is, is that if the child is unwanted, even after birth, before birth, even after birth, if the child is unwanted, disabled, you know, won't have a life worthy of life in some way, then they want to be able to experiment on them and do whatever they want. And perhaps in their minds, it's all for it's all for the greater good and the advance of knowledge and saving all these born people who have worthy lives that are worth saving. Um, but it's just, you know, a cold utilitarianism that we can kill these children because they don't have value. We can experiment on them. We can use their tissues. We can use their cells. It doesn't matter. Now, now Emily, in the pro-life movement, we're pretty upfront, right? I mean, is anyone really confused that the pro-life movement wants to ban abortion? I hope not. We want to get rid of abortion. We believe unborn children are human beings. We're totally upfront about that. You know, sometimes uh, the pro-life movement in some states, countries, uh, you know, we're passing laws that don't do all of that, but that's simply because we don't necessarily have the public support or the legal ability to do that. I mean, we're pretty upfront that abortion bad, get rid of abortion, unborn children are human beings. I don't think anyone is under any delusions that that's what pro-lifers believe. Um, but the other side just never owns up to what they truly believe. And that's because they know the public isn't all the way there. If they can move the public all the way there, then they'll frankly express their views. But they always operate, Emily, through lies, deceptions, um, you know, trying to assuage people's guilt or concerns with these talk of guidelines and safeguards. And it's just ridiculous. You know, we post an article about this on the website, rtl.org. You can read it. It's called, uh, I think, title is Noble Lies and Human Vivisection, which that's what the experimenting on a live person or being is. It's vivisection, whether it's an animal or human being. Um, and I, I just, there's one link we included in that article that I just wanted to talk about briefly, and that was um, President Bush back in, this is before your time, um, back in the early 2000s, had a State of the Union address where he talked about banning human-animal hybrids. Um, and I remember in college going into a group meeting and people there who I think were all supportive of President Bush were making fun of him for talking about human-animal hybrids. And they were making fun of this topic as if it was some sort of weird scientific, uh, you know, science fiction thing, and this is never going to happen. Why is he talking about it? Well, those experiments were already ongoing at the time. Uh, from this whole topic and stem cell research, which President Bush was great on, Congress passed a law. President Bush signed it into law, the practice of banning fetal farming. That's growing a child specifically for the purpose of performing experiments on them. Now, you know, I'm looking at the law now and it might need to be changed because it talks about human pregnancy and animal uteruses. It doesn't talk about anything about artificial wombs, which is kind of what we're talking about here. Growing a child, sustaining a child outside of the womb for a certain period of time, which 
now that they can do it, they want to get rid of the guideline. Because again, the guideline was never about morality, it was always about feasibility. Um, but he passed this ban on, on fetal farming. And there's an article from Media Matters, which is a very left-wing kind of uh, news website, if you will, kind of fact tries to fact-check the news, if you will. And they denounce this uh, fetal farming ban by saying, oh, this isn't being seriously considered. There's no serious scientific proposal anywhere for this. So why are we banning it? What a deceptive argument, Emily. So Media Matters didn't say the fetal farming was bad. They just said, oh, well, no one serious is talking about this, so we don't need to ban it. But they were seriously talking about it, and there were serious proposals. It just wasn't feasible yet. Now that it's feasible, Emily, we're going to get rid of the 14-day rule. We're going to start farming fetuses for experimentation. And is Media Matters going to apologize for lying? Certainly 15 not. years ago? No. 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 In fact, they're counting on you not remembering. That's the beauty for them. That's the real beauty for this kind of thinking is the news cycle is 24 hours. So if you can get a news item to pass, you know, a week, a month, a year, people forget. And so people forget your promises of cures for everybody to dying people, giving them hope when you were just lying to them. People forget you know, oh, this isn't being seriously proposed, even though it kind of is. And then suddenly a few years later, they want to, you know, allow it. And then eventually, of course, Emily, you're going to make it mandatory that it's funded with your tax dollars. I mean, these things follow a trajectory on abortion, euthanasia, unrelated issues. It's always the same thing. Yeah. So... All right, if I ranted enough. You've ranted, but it's a good rant because, I mean, it really is, it, considering human history, um, you would hope that we would learn, um, but this, it just shows that people don't like looking backwards and we, we like to um, sacrifice our future for false promises. Yep. All right, well, let's transition to kind of a related note. Um, so vaccines, we've talked about the coronavirus vaccines, some of which use uh, cell lines from fetal tissue directly in developing them and producing doses. Some of them use them only for experimentation. So far, the only U.S. emergency approved vaccine that uses it to actually produce doses is the Johnson & Johnson slash Janssen vaccine. Apparently, the, it's hard to, we know them by the company names and they change a little bit. Um, so we passed a provision in the Coronavirus Supplemental Spending Bill in Michigan to require informed consent for any vaccines that use fetal tissue cell lines in direct production, currently the Johnson & Johnson slash Janssen vaccine. Well, Emily, the governor signed it into law, the bill. It was tucked into the spending bill, and she didn't issue some sort of uh, signing statement that says it's unenforceable which is a pleasant surprise. More than pleasant. It's a wonderful <laughs> surprise. It's good to be surprised. Right. And so this is the law. So any, any vaccine distribution using state funding, which is pretty much every single one, should be giving people this informed consent if they're using the Johnson & Johnson slash Johnson vaccine so far. And we have 
news that the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services has begun implementing it. So if you go on their coronavirus frequently asked questions, you know, flyer online, they have the information in there about corona uh, about uh, fetal cell lines in these vaccines. So that's not all what they're supposed to do. The provision says anyone receiving the vaccine should be informed. And so uh, when you go in to get the Johnson & Johnson slash Janssen vaccine right now, you should be either getting a, uh, a written fact sheet with the information or they should be verbally telling you. So this is a great win for information. Uh, if you have gotten the, you know, in the last couple of days or you're getting the Johnson & Johnson slash Janssen vaccine uh, and no one told you that this vaccine was produced using a fetal cell line, let us know. Let us know so we can get our legislators on the case because they have to be following the law. You know, I always remember President by or excuse me, President Obama. You know, it's the law. It's the law. It's the law. Uh, well, it's the law, and Governor Whitmer signed it into law. If Governor Whitmer didn't think people should be following the law, she had an opportunity to say that this is unenforceable, which it is enforceable. Um, she didn't do that. It's enforceable. It's the law. Please let us know if you're not doing that. Uh, and Emily, I think it's important because, you know, we talked about, you know, lying to people and when you don't, when we hold this information from people, the short term gain is, well, we don't want them to get icked out and not take the vaccine. So we're going to withhold this information to people. But Emily, as anyone should be noticing after years and years and years of vaccines and some high profile problems with polio vaccines uh, and whatnot in the past. People have built up this skepticism. <laughs> They're all, their own little herd immunity. That's one way to put it. One way to put it uh, to vaccines. And a lot of that is because of breaches of trust and refusing to give people information. So, Emily, is the way to fix that continuing to withhold information from people? That people are going to figure this out eventually. You know, I know we've talked about this before. Who do you want the people to find out from? Do you want them to find out from their doctor and nurse who a lot of times the doctors and nurses don't know this information because they haven't been told? Or do you want them to find out by searching online and then getting mad that they had to find out online instead of having it disclosed to them? And finding questionable information from questionable sources Along in some the cases. way, yeah. So, uh, you know... Like we the analogy before, you know, they're digging themselves a deeper and deeper hole. This provision is taking away the shovel and telling them, stop it. Just be upfront with people. Let them make their own ethical considerations. If so many people eth ethically object to taking a vaccine that is produced using a fetal cell line, that is your clue that stop producing vaccines and fetal cell lines. It's not necessary. There's animal cell lines. There's synthetic cell lines. There's no hard reason that any vaccine has to be produced using these fetal cell lines. I, I mean, when I say synthetic cell line, I mean synthetic growth medium that they grow the virus in. Um, so, so why? Why do they use these fetal cell lines? Maybe it's cheaper. Maybe it's easier. But we're talking about medical ethics. It's such an important issue. And if you want people to have trust in the vaccine system, then you have to operate on a basis of trust with them and not a basis of lying and deceiving and then having people figure it out anyway down the road. So a win. Yay. 
A surprising win that surprising we weren't win. expecting, but good things still happen. And that's why, you know, even though dem pro-abortion, Democrats controlled, you know, the Michigan, Michigan executive offices, governor, attorney general, secretary of state, majorities in Congress, you don't take your ball and go home because you can still make uh, successes and advances, even in hostile environments. And speaking of hostility, Emily... <laughs> Is it my turn to rant? Yeah, yes. so I'll, I'll, I'll just briefly introduce it for you by saying that uh, NARAL, of course, is the National Abortion Rights Action League. I think they today go by NARAL Pro-Choice America because saying abortion was verboten a few years ago, although they're saying abortion is fine again, you know, they're always switching it around on us. And I'll just say, Emily, that NARAL's Twitter profile <laughs> is... Ratio town because whoever operates their social media has so many bad takes that it's just so easy. And I can't say how many times Rights Life Michigan we've been able to, you know, retweet them and just it's such a cringing, cringeworthy tweet that sometimes it makes its own point. Well, Emily. I'm laughing now. You could talk about their latest cringeworthy one. <laughs> we'll talk about yeah, so um, for those of you who don't know, um, Chris, we had a few days ago this week was the, I believe it was like the National Puppy Day or something like that. There's a national day for everything. There's a national day for everything. So it was a day that we <laughs> celebrate um, man's best friend, which I agree with. I like my dog, but... Down with cats. <laughs> Um, down with cats, maybe not. Um, Nayral decided to post a very interesting take on the celebration of man's best friend and use it as a way to promote abortion through a hashtag called ProChoicePup. So basically, they put up a picture of a dog and they said, this is Bruce, Bruce is against reproductive rights restrictions and blah de blah de blah Basically saying, hey, post pictures of your dogs and say that they're pro-choice. So of course, all of these people decided to jump on the hashtag and post pictures of their dogs saying that their dogs are pro-choice and they're against restrictions on women's rights and blah de blah de blah It's funny in a lot of ways and cringy because what person in their right mind would take their dog to the vet to have its puppies removed if it was accidentally pregnant? Like, can you imagine this in your brain? So there's this picture of poor Bruce. Is Bruce gonna take his girlfriend to the vet and get his puppies aborted because it's not the right time? No one does that. People are horrified by the idea of killing animals in the womb. And then here we have Nayral posting, and all of these people following, oh, my dog is pro-choice. I'm like, no, your dog's not pro-choice. Can you imagine saying, and because I'm slightly sarcastic, I started thinking of all the different animals that we could apply these pro-choice um, pro memes to, and the blue whale. Did you know the, the blue whale could be pro-choice because the blue whale doesn't want their species to exist anymore. No person is going to say, hey, let's get rid of blue whale babies. It's ridiculous. So it just, it shows the double standard of, and, and we it ties in with the 14-day rule and how 
um, even experimenting on animal embryos. People cringe at that, and and here we are. And some people want to ban animal research outright. These same people have no problem mm -hmm. field tissue research. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then, you know, National Dog Day or whatever it was called, People posting, my adopted dog is pro-choice. It, it was just ridiculous. And sometimes um, sometimes pro-abortion people are just so hilarious with their hypocrisy that we, we get a little entertainment out of it. We do. You know, that brings me to mind, maybe you've heard this, have you heard this argument before when you're talking to someone who supports abortion and they start talking about chicken eggs? <laughs> Like, well, you're killing a chicken when you're having scrambled eggs. And I, I, I love that point because their, bio, their, their ignorance of biology is such that they don't realize that most of the eggs that you eat from the grocery store, unless one has slipped through quality control, are not actually fertilized. So they're not chickens. They are just... Eggs. Eggs. Ova. Um, why do people... I don't... It, you know, I hear that one... And in my mind, you know, the the gif of Robert Downey Jr. just going from Iron Edge, going, oh, <laughs> like, uh, it's so cringeworthy. NARAL does does this all the time. Mm -hmm. um, it, they, you know, NARAL's really gone down in the world. Um, they're reduced to talking about pro-choice puppies. Um What's the, what's the psychological need to project your your political viewpoint on an animal, which has no inkling of the concept? You know, I, I don't know. Uh, Nairal was the ones that really got abortion legalized in the United States. It wasn't Planned Parenthood. Planned Parenthood, some of, it, some of the Planned Parenthood, you know, people had to be reluctantly dragged along into abortion. You know, they... They used to be afraid people would conflate contraception and abortion, so they would say, abortion is killing people. We don't do that. Um, it was NARAL, really the ones who legalized abortion based on, you know, fabricated history, you know, a fabricated numbers about the number of women who have abortions and die. You know, they used to say that before Roe versus Wade, there used to be a million abortions. Even though after Roe versus Wade, it took years, a couple years, before the legal abortions even hit one million, yeah. you know. I, yeah, they they used to say what was the number? They said ten thousand women died. Died every year. Every year from botched abortions, and the actual data from the CDC was thirty-two. The year before Roe something v. like Wade. that. It was like an unequal number died from legal abortions. More uh, died from legal abortions in nineteen seventy-three. So it's just you lied. So I know. They get away with it. They still make that lie. They still mm -hmm. and they still do it overseas too. You know, cuz you can't get data in countries where abortions are legal, so they will will do the same thing. So You can't really get data here though. You, yeah, you can barely get to, you know, California doesn't doesn't hand out information. If it wasn't for Planned Parenthood and the Guttmacher Institute, which let's base let's face is basically Planned Parenthood. They technically aren't formally connected anymore but if, if it wasn't for them publishing their own numbers we would have no idea how many abortions happen in california and it's a ton a significant chunk of the abortions in the united states you know they don't want people 
thinking too much into this. So that's a good common theme throughout the whole thing. People, they don't want you thinking too much into it. They don't want you thinking too much about the vaccines. That's why I'm surprised we haven't had any pushback for the signed into law. You know, WILX in Lansing ran a story on it and that's it. They don't kind of, they don't want to talk about it because they don't want people to know. Um, the 14 day rule is not going to get a lot of attention in the press because uh, they don't want people to really think too hard about that and experimenting on children at 40 days who, you know, the heart's beating, that you know, arms and legs are already forming. They have a face. You know, people don't want to think about that. So I guess that's our admonition to you is think about it and talk about it and don't let them go unchallenged. If they start talking to you about how their dog is pro-abortion, I don't have any advice for you. That person is lost in the short term. Maybe down the road they'll come along. Hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> okay. That's the goal. That's why we do education. <laughs> That's right. And, and yeah, nothing frivolous here, even though we have to talk about frivolous things sometimes. Well, that's all the time we have for this edition of Life Beat. Join us again next week for our special monthly faith feature. Have a wonderful weekend.